This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. What will students returning to school need when it comes to laptops? We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now... We'll look at plans for upgrading terminals and other capital projects at O'Hare, and the price tag keeps on growing. And to talk about that, we're joined by Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University here in Chicago. So, Joe, first of all, how much more expensive is the expansion project now, at least the estimates? Well, it's gone up really from $8.5 billion uh, three, four years ago now to 12.2. So in the world of cost escalation, this is not eye-popping. This is just some way expected because we've had inflation, cost of materials have gone up. Uh, but it is, uh, you know, one more thing for the city to think about. Uh, the good news is the bond market has greeted this with a fair amount of, you might even say, enthusiasm, knowing that uh, the project's still quite workable. So things are still looking really good at O'Hare. So while the estimates for the price tag for this project are going up, it might be cheaper for the city to get that borrowed money it needs to pay for it. That's right. It's, uh, much of this you know, is financed by airport uh, landing fees and gate rentals and concessions. And, and you're going to have about 25% more gates. So there's a lot of revenue potential in this project. And, of course, uh, uh, there's some federal funding involved. So this isn't expected to be any kind of burden on the city uh, general fund, you might say. And air travel, the forecast is looking pretty good right now. So I think the city's feeling okay with all this. And what will this mean when this is finally done? When are we expecting it to be done? And when it's done, what is that going to mean for O'Hare and for the city in terms of the economy because of having an O'Hare that has got expanded capacity and also just for travelers? Oh, that's right. When you travel around the world, you see how the bar on airports has gone up. And we have fallen behind, particularly at O'Hare, for a global airport not to have, you know, those kind of world-class uh, designs, Terminal 2, you know, dates back really to the, the early 60s. So it's a bit of a museum piece. So what we're going to see, the, the uh, completion of this new uh, global terminal, it's been pushed back to 2030. That's a couple years, but uh, they're still uh, getting ready to go. And it's going to have about 25% more gates, lots of, you know, high-tech features that allow international traffic to come through there. And so the city, it's really making a statement that it wants O'Hare to be uh, right up there with uh, – Heathrow and Amsterdam and others is really showpiece airports. And Joe, when this is done, will O'Hare be up at that level? Or is it because it's taking a while by 2030, what's being proposed now might not be the latest and greatest? Well, we still don't know exactly what the final design is going to be. So I no doubt there's been some changes just in the three or four years since uh, they came out of the uh, box with this, uh, with this big plan. But we do know that, uh, they plan to have world-class architecture. Uh, of course, uh, United American are both committed to, to help making this happen. So it really should be something. And the Terminal 5, the International Terminal, are already 
improve that somewhat. Uh, so more uh, more changes out there as well. So I think for the city, uh, you know, this is a, this is a really a blue chip project. And finally, Joe, what is ahead maybe for Midway? Is there any talk of what Midway is going to need in terms of to make it a more competitive airport? You know, we talk about O'Hare, but, uh, you know, Midway's had a lot of improvements. Does it need more or where are we with Midway? Yeah, well, it's really a blessing to have two airports that are both doing so well. You know, Midway is the so-called busiest square mile in aviation. It's just packed with flights and there's just no realistic chance to expand runways there, to lengthen uh, runways. So Midway pretty much is what it is in terms of uh, how much air travel you can handle. There have been some nice improvements there. They've been out with the widening of the pedestrian concourse, uh, much wider, more more pleasant TSA waiting experience in the food quarters. Uh, there's been some expansions there. Uh, but we're not looking at anything real major out there. There's some talk of expanding the parking lot and, and improving other things, but uh, really, the modernization there is mostly complete. That's Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University here in Chicago. Always our go-to man when it comes to air travel. Coming up, advice on what students heading back to school need concerning laptops. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. With children heading back to school, an important consideration is what they and their parents should look for when it comes to laptops. And here to help us with that search, Jennifer Jolly, the Tech Life columnist for USA Today and founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com out of San Francisco. So, Jennifer, what is the best advice? Because there are a lot of laptops out there at a lot of different prices. What's the best way to pick the right one for your child? Well, there's some definite do's and don'ts here. Number one, check for student or educator discounts. Look for trade-in deals. There are some fantastic finds on some of those right now. You can take a really old tablet, you can trade it in and get a brand new two-in-one. I really highly recommend the two-in-ones that double as a laptop or a tablet. You can get that. It typically starts in the $400 range. You can get that all the way down to around $100. So look for those trade-in deals. Last year's top tech often gets deep discounts this time of year because this is when all the new manufacturers are coming out with their new fall releases just in time for the holidays. And another do that's can save you a ton of money is look into certified refurbished devices, the gadgets that get used or, or secondhand, maybe with a minor defect that the manufacturer or retailer had no problem fixing up, but be sure to go to a reputable seller. Back market is a really good one. eBay refurbished is another really good one. Where you buy from is key when it comes to refurbished. They need to have warranties and return policies, and you need to, to know those up front. Jennifer, obviously, everybody wants to get the best deal they can, but especially when it comes to technology, sometimes do we think so much about the cost we underbuy and we end up being disappointed because we don't buy the technology we really need because we're trying to get it as cheap as we can? Absolutely. If you happen to pass a laptop or a tablet for $100 or less on sale at a big box store right about now, 
it is likely not worth that much money. It won't last until the holidays, let alone the entire school year. So don't go for the absolute cheapest unless they check all of the other boxes, too. One of those that I recommend, highly recommend, is a budget-friendly two-in-one like the Lenovo Chromebook Duet 3. It runs $380 before any student discounts or sales. It's one of the best small and most versatile or most versatile Chromebooks, uh, that, and it's a brand-new device as well. It's a great value for the price, 11-inch tablet with a detachable keyboard, built-in stand, and cover for those inevitable drops and spills, ultra-portable for homework, solid performance, 10-plus-hour battery life, and built-in virus protection. And those are a lot of the specs you want to look for. And, Jennifer, another thing, too, is do you really need to check with your school or check to find out what the school is requiring before you buy? Because sometimes people may either not buy enough or maybe buy way too much because they don't really understand what the school needs them to buy. Yes, absolutely. And colleges, especially some of them only work with Chromebooks. Some of them only work with Macs, depending on your degree and your specialty. Um, You don't want to go with a stripped-down device with absolutely no storage on the device because kids inevitably need to back up a paper. So it really does matter how old your kids are, uh, the responsibility that they're able, you know, are they able to keep this safe? Are you able to oversee them on this new device? Are there easy and intuitive parental controls? And many schools across the country, in the Chicago area especially, loan Chromebooks for coursework. So you might just be fine going with what they hand out. So definitely look into what platforms the schools use, what tech those are compatible with, and go from there. That's Jennifer Jolly, the Tech Life columnist for USA Today and the founder and editor-in-chief in a great site, that could help you with this search for the right laptop for back to school, techish.com. Jennifer, thanks as always. We appreciate your advice on the often confusing world of tech. Up next, Dodge reveals plans for its future electric muscle car. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply the wbbm noon business hour continues most electric cars are quiet but dodge says its future electric muscle car will be super loud and here to tell us how loud john mcelroy the automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv out of Detroit. So, John, how are they going to make that muscle car loud? They've got a special exhaust system to amplify the noise of the electric motor, and it's crazy. It goes up to 126 decibels. So if you've been in an enclosed football stadium jam-packed with fans screaming at the top of their lungs, that's how loud it is. Wow. And is it going to give you that feel, too? Does it have any way? Because, you know, the, the muscle car isn't just the sound. It's the feel. Are they going to some way kind of replicate the feel of the internal combustion muscle car? Jim, you got that exactly right. You know, the people who buy those Hellcats and, uh, you know, Charger and Challengers, they, they want the visceral feel of it. 
you know, I haven't driven the new one. They haven't let anybody outside of uh, Dodge drive it yet. But they tell us it is going to be as raucous a piece of machinery as any of the Challenger and Chargers are today. Because to your point, that's exactly what those buyers are looking for. And people might be surprised just how much of a muscle car an electric car could be. I mean, just the acceleration alone is mind-boggling in some cases. It is. I mean, electric vehicles are far faster than their piston engine counterparts. And, you know, if you're a true uh, performance enthusiast, you're not going to find a faster car than an electric. And so while there's a lot of people who, you know, deep in their heart, they just love those V8 Hemi engines, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is if you want the fastest vehicle going, you're going to have to ultimately go electric. And is this how all of the automakers who have electric muscle cars are doing it in terms of trying, because they all are trying to, I believe, find ways to kind of recreate that experience. Are there other methods or is this pretty much the way we will see it being done with electric vehicles? Well, you know, car companies and the engineers there are pretty creative. I'm sure they're all going to come up with different solutions. But, you know, some of them are going to hold back. They're going to keep their piston engine cars for as long as they possibly can. And that could go on for a lot of years, too. But, you know, the, the future is staring us in the face and the future is electric. And, John, when are we expecting Dodge to come out with this electric muscle car? Sometime in 2024. So not too far uh, off. They say, yeah, just a couple of years away. And, you know, we'll see what happens here, Jim. You know, when when Ford came out with the electric Mustang, the Mach-E, all the Mustang purists sneered at the car, hated it. Well, guess what? It now outsells the regular Mustang. And a lot of those people who sneered at it at first have kind of come around and grudgingly admitted it's a pretty good car. I think the same thing's going to happen with the Dodge Charger Electric. That's John McElroy, the automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv out of Detroit, talking about the sound and feel of electric muscle cars. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Jim Goodis, in for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Chicago police officer Danny Golden, who was shot and paralyzed more than a month ago while trying to break up a bar fight, headed home today from the rehab facility where he's been undergoing treatment. A group of teens in northwest Indiana faces multiple charges of breaking into and stealing cars. On Entrepreneur Friday, we'll look at what anyone thinking of getting into the restaurant business could possibly expect in the future. Plus, stock of Bed Bath & Beyond dropped sharply this morning after its activist investor sold off his holdings in the meme stock. On Wall Street right now, the Dow is down 236 points, the S&P 500 down 52, and the Nasdaq is down 267 points at 1231. A cheering crowd was at the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab this morning as Chicago Police Officer Danny Golden wheeled himself out to head home. He's been undergoing treatment after being shot and paralyzed just over a month ago while trying to break up a bar fight in Beverly. Some of his fellow officers were among the group of supporters, giving him a send-off. 19th Ward Alderman Matt O'Shea's office sold T-shirts and yard signs to display for Golden's homecoming, and the money raised will help with his medical bills. Police in Michigan City say four juveniles are facing 66 criminal charges 
related to breaking into and stealing cars, as WBBM's Mike Krauser tells us. According to police, their alleged crimes that started early this month were influenced at least in part by social media. Between the four, the charges include 31 felonies and 35 misdemeanors. Charges include theft of a firearm, criminal gang activity, and being a child in possession of a firearm. Also theft and unauthorized entry to a motor vehicle. Police say Michigan City and surrounding communities have seen an increase in crimes involving vehicles, including damaged steering columns, broken windows, items taken from vehicles, and vehicles being stolen. Detectives, according to the department, developed leads from crime scenes and executed search warrants, resulting in the arrest of the four individuals. They say the juveniles may be charged with other crimes. That's the story from Michigan City. This portion of the Noon Business Hour is sponsored by Lakeside Bank. It's 1233. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets are trading sharply lower, and we're joined by Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter out of Hammond, and also the author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. So, Chuck, this would be a great day to talk about winning, because we've certainly got a bunch of losers, it seems, on Wall Street today. Why is that? Well, I think it's a couple of things. You know, we are pretty much through... For the for the bulk of corporate earnings, so now things are going to kind of attention is going to go to the macro part of the economy, and you know there when you look at kind of what's been happening in interest rates, you've seen the ten year start creeping up. You've seen other uh, other interest rates at two year kind of creeping higher as well, and then you've gotten uh, discussion coming out of uh, various Fed folks kind of indicating that you know they don't plan on necessarily taking the the, the foot off the gas in terms of raising rates. And so I think that's one of the factors that's impacting the market today is this this pop we're getting in interest rates and, and what that could mean if it continues uh, further. And we don't get kind of that Fed relief that I think the market had been kind of thinking about uh, as we go toward the end of the year. You know, in conditions like this, it's more important than ever to have a reference like the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter to kind of figure out what the best approach is moving forward. What is the Dow Theory telling you right now about the best approach to the markets during well, the these Dow Theory, Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jim. No worries. The, the Dow Theory has, uh, has looked better. I mean, the markets move off of the June 17th lows has been fairly robust, and it's been, you know, in some cases a little bit more robust than you, you tend to see if, in fact, these are bear market rallies. We aren't yet willing to say that the primary trend has changed from bearish to bullish. What we would like to see is how the market reacts after it comes back after this rally we've had. And it's been a pretty rigorous, uh, vigorous rally. It's, I mean, the S&P 500 is up about 15% in, in just two months' time. So we would have a, a greater confidence in shifting the trend from bearish to bullish under the Dow theory if, in fact, the market, when it does come back off of the highs, and maybe we're starting to see that in today's action, uh, that those June 17th lows hold. So that's kind of we're in kind of a wait and see here how the market reacts after it comes down following this rally that we've had. And we may see that sooner rather than later, perhaps as, as soon as next week. That's Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter out of Hammond. Again, a, 
a good reference to keep track of what's happening in the markets and maybe help you guide your investing decisions. Also, an author of Winning with Dow's Losers. Up next on Entrepreneur Friday, we'll examine what anyone should consider if they're looking to get into the restaurant business. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. With all the issues plaguing the restaurant industry, anyone thinking of buying or starting one now could possibly see huge returns in the future. And here to tell us why is he Karish, the president of Hospitality Works, also known as the restaurant coach here in Chicago. So, Izzy, why might this be the best time, or at least a great time, for someone to think about opening or starting or even expanding a restaurant? Well, you know, COVID really devastated our industry, and a lot of restaurants closed, and there are a lot of restaurateurs who are just uh, tired of the struggle and are selling their businesses, and they are dropping the prices. So I, I actually have a client who owns one restaurant, but is in the process of buying two more buildings that were restaurants because the prices are so affordable. That won't be the case in two years. So uh, in terms of investing and getting ready to start a restaurant, now is definitely a good time. And Izzy, I have to think that anything you can do to minimize potential loss, because even if you are a successful restaurateur, I mean, you're going to probably initially face some financial challenges or difficulties and anything you could do to reduce that possibility, you know, to reduce your financial risk at the start, I have to think is a great boost in starting or, you know, maybe even expanding, as I say, restaurant operations. And that is absolutely the case. One of the things is we're opening restaurants right now and looking at the world with the lack of employees, we are designing our restaurants, whether we're expanding or opening new uh, designing those restaurants to be highly efficient. So instead of maybe needing, you know, 30 employees, we're trying to get it down to 18 employees, cutting it almost in half. And through uh, design efficiency, uh, technology, a lot of different things, labor is a big cost. Minimize it, you know, before you open. In fact, it's interesting because, as you say, the, the, even the whole business of being a restaurateur has changed because of, for instance, staffing and and supply issues and that sort of thing. So this is actually a great time to get in because you can, instead of having to go back and reinvent the wheel, you can just start with a new wheel and have what you need in place at the lowest possible cost because you're not going to have to, like, retool. Well, that, that's absolutely right. And I have I just met with a restaurateur this morning going into the business, uh, putting in ventilations, about $40,000, and we are talking about revamping his concept to match new technology where they won't have to put in any ventilation at all. So they can save uh, 20%, 30% up front, again, through thinking through uh, the design elements, the technology elements, and uh, again, the long-term thinking of how do I give customers great service and great food with less staff? And Izzy, I'll, I'll have you put your coach hat on for those who are already running eateries. What's your advice to them about ways to take advantage of the current situation to help them succeed going forward? I mean, even if they are already established, how can they take advantage of these current conditions to improve their prospects for the future? Well, if they are going to live in the same building and not buy something new, uh, reinvesting, again, in new equipment, in some design uh, to make them, again, more efficient, be more productive, because we are seeing restaurants 
who are having much better years than they had in 2019. So they need to uh, adapt for the future and design for success. If they're going to be going into that secondary restaurant, we are looking uh, at any building that's empty that was a restaurant that we can rehab in total, spend a lot less money, come up with a new concept, open up, and, and again, do it efficiently, serve all of the guests that come in, and, and plan for a very long future in that business. That's Izzy Karish, the president of Hospitality Works, also known as the restaurant coach here in Chicago. Thanks, Izzy. Always great to get your insight on a fascinating industry. Still to come, a look at why shares of Bed Bath & Beyond are plunging. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. An activist investor of retailer Bed Bath & Beyond has sold his shares and call options, calling causing the stock to fall over 40% when trading opened this morning. And joining us to talk about it, Gary Kaltbaum, the president of Kaltbaum Capital Management and Fox News business contributor out of Orlando. You can always check Gary's website at garyk.com. So, Gary, what's going on here? Well, unfortunately, it's another example of people jumping all over each other, buying a stock at any price, hoping somebody else is going to bail them out. Even though you have a company that lost $2.83 a share last uh, quarter with a 25% drop in earnings, major debt issues, and now down over 60% just from yesterday morning, it's just another lesson that we only wish people learned from last year when this happened, but uh, obviously they didn't, and uh, you never have another little disaster on your hands. Well, let's talk about a couple of other uh meme stocks. And since we're talking about Ryan Cohen, who is the investor here, why don't we talk about GameStop? What's going on there? Uh, well, it started moving along with it. That was $48 uh, a week and change ago. It's back to 35 It's not as active uh, as it used to be. Uh, but, you know, we have a simple motto with all these companies. Number one, don't be the last one in. And if you are, you better know how to trade it. Uh, and number two, they're all going to go back to where they came from, and that is where valuations do matter. So uh, every day on my – I've had to almost every day on my radio show uh, preach to the audience that the markets are not easy. Don't make them even tougher just buying anything at any price. And you can see that uh, in the last few days, people lost their minds again, and uh, you see the outcome. We're talking over 60% drop from yesterday morning. And if you go on chat boards or the Internet, you will see people saying, oh, this is the next GameStop. It's going to be 400 bucks. And instead, it goes from 30 down to $11. And what about AMC? What's the latest there? I mean, it's, it's all one and the same. And look, we're not trying to indict the companies. We're, we're just trying to teach a lesson uh, to people about, you know, picking your poison, knowing what the companies do. And in, in the case with AMC, you have a company that loses money, but yet this got short squeezed uh, almost up 100% in five days. And guess what? It's almost done the round trip in five days. So, uh, again, you just got to keep your wits about you, buy companies that are making money. But unfortunately, we're going to see a lot more of these short squeezes, and hopefully you, people get in early and not late, because if you get in late, uh, damage will be done. That's Gary Kaltbaum, the president of Kaltbaum Capital Management, a Fox News business contributor out of Orlando. Again, you'll want to check out Gary's website at GaryK.com. And Gary, always sound advice, especially when 
talking about the world of meme stocks. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.